What is up, my loyal podcast listeners? For those of you that are new, this is the podcast Builder vs. Buyer. Um, it's a podcast dedicated to the home building industry. Just find a lot of tension in this industry between buyers and builders and architects and engineers and surveyors and um, just, I don't know, my personality is a natural peacemaker. And so I hope my, my goal in this is that I, we can bring the sides together and um, just educate all the sides in how to come to the table better and know a little bit more about what the other group is doing or thinking. So everything in this podcast will be related in some way to the home building industry, usually for people that are thinking to build their dream home and or the content sometime is for builders. So yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Today, I'm going to talk about a fun one. This is one that's given me many headaches over the years, lots of stress, lots of frustration, lots of confusion, and it is how to get developer approval or architectural approval or, um, I don't know, it's, it's called a bunch of things. But so if you have, this doesn't apply to people that bought an undeveloped parcel of land. Um, so if you bought, you know, three, four raw acres and you're planning on building on that, doesn't apply. Um, you only need to go to your city or county for permitting that home. Um, anything that is in a subdivision subdivided should have a set of covenants and those, those control, those dictate what you can and cannot build, what you can do on the property. For some reason, every single set of them, I've I've read a, a number of these and just about every single set says you cannot do anything illegal on your property. Like that was, that was an option in somebody's mind. My guess is something happened along the lines for some lawyer to throw it in. And then lawyers have been throwing it in ever since. I don't know what that thing is. If somebody knows, please reach out to me. I would love to know. But yeah, you, you can't do anything illegal in your subdivision. Um, so, and it's in your covenants. So there, ha, gotcha. Um, how to get developer approval is, is really, really tricky. Takes some nuance, takes a lot of persistence, dedication. Um, you just got to be ready, really ready for anything. Um, I would say that for, for starters, there's, there's three types of groups that you will see receive. So this is at the stage when your plans are finalized, you need the subdivision or community to approve your plans before you can start building. So there are three types of groups that will um, be reviewing your plans that basically the the one that controls um, the community or subdivision, whatever it is. Um, There's a builder slash developer, you could have like a review board or an architect and the last one is the current homeowners, the people that live there. Okay, let's go into the first one, builder or developer. So developer owns all the lots. They control the architectural review process or same thing with the builder. They're the ones that sold it to you and they're the ones reviewing the plan. Usually, um, this is the easiest group to work with because they're the most understanding of the building process. If you are a builder, talking to a builder, they're, they're usually a little more black and white of if it's in the covenants and they're going to enforce it. And if it's not, they won't. Um, so you, and they're, they're usually more because a builder is very time sensitive. You know, you can get reviews back very quickly. They'll just pull the PDF, say, yeah, it looks good. You get an email back. That's typically what I see in this front. Not, 
with each of these categories, let me say this too, which each of these categories, there are thousands of exceptions, which is why I say be ready for anything. But I will say if you're dealing with a builder or developer, those are, are typically the easiest to get through. Okay. The second is a review board or an architect. So if you submit your plans and they say, we have an external review, we've hired this architect, they're a part of our team essentially, and their job is to review the plans to make sure they hit the architectural controls that we want to establish in the subdivision. So what I would say here is um, I have a lot of opinions on this and I'll try and keep my personal judgment to not cloud this too much. I would say the positive is... Typically in these communities, you'll have a lot of beautiful homes because not only has your designer, the original designer architect that you hired, um, put time and effort into designing a pretty home, but then there's a second architect that's also looking at it, ensuring that everything is balanced, everything works, everything um, is done really, really well. Um, The downside of this, and I don't know, I, I, I... I don't want to, again, in this podcast, I don't ever want to accuse anyone of anything, but I typically find with architects, if they're hired to review a plan, they will find a way to find something on that plan. And it is extremely rare that you send an architect a plan and you get back a plan that's rubber stamped, approved with no red ink on it. Um, So what I would say, a warning to you, that are building in subdivisions like this is just be ready for a a few things to be added to your plan. Um, I would almost even factor it into the cost. Um, If you're a builder and you build in a community like this, maybe throw a little allowance in on the front end. Just say, hey, you know what? This is going to be reviewed by an architect and we don't know what he or she is going to say, but typically we see that they add a few things to this home. Um, whether that's windows to balance out an elevation, it can be freeze board, it can be um, brackets on the rear and sides. I've, I've seen a lot of little things, but um, yeah, typically what I see is those types of things are added. Um, so just a, a fair warning, be ready for it. Um, and Typically, they don't want to be in the direct line of communication, so it's it's hard to have a direct conversation. Um, usually, there's a administrative assistant that's handling the plans and sending things to and from the architect through you. So it's it's hard to get a direct a direct line. And say, hey, what do you actually want in this house? What do you want to see? This is you know our second or third time of red lines, and we still haven't figured it out. So. I, I get all that. It can it can be tricky, but um, this is my fair warning to you. Just be ready for it. Be ready to approach this any way you see how. Um, okay, lastly, and this is the most fun, the most interesting, they vary so, so widely, and that is the current homeowners. So this typically happens. Um, usually a developer won't relinquish the control of the plan review until very late in the development. So if you know, 80 or 90% of the lots are built on, then they will finally hand the community over to the homeowners. Um, and at times the homeowners can be the most picky. Uh, they, their incentive is they don't want anything built new that will diminish the value of their current homes. So they're incentivized to force you to build the most expensive home that they can get you to do. Um, I'm not saying all review boards do this, but I'm saying there is there is a financial incentive to do this. So again, be ready. 
be aware of that. I've seen things asked for that aren't in the covenants um, that other people have done. I've seen um, very picky measurements on a lot of covenants have like a masonry percentage and just a lot of questions around is this exactly 50% masonry on the front elevation, things like that. So be ready for it. A, A tip I would say too is, so I worked a lot as the builder representing a client working to get developer approval. And that is a tricky situation because builders don't have, if builders are honest, they would all agree with this. They don't have the greatest reputation. So um, the current homeowners that are reviewing that plan are automatically skeptical of you. They think it's it's just another greedy builder um, trying to build a house and, and screw over this client. So they're they're not going to be the most receptive to you when you come back and say no we are actually the the right stone percentage this is actually correct it does meet covenants you should approve it you know things like that so i would say if you if you're a builder have your client get involved these are their future neighbors it doesn't always work but it is so helpful to put it like a name and a personality to it um some some people building and some clients will do this automatically. They're just driven people and they'll jump right into this process. Others not. But it does, it's it's sadly a pretty political game. So if you can play it a little bit, you'll probably be better off. So and then I would say to have the client do some of the communication with that review board, the current homeowners, whoever that is, um, goes a little further than the builder. Um if you're paying your builder for that service, I understand um, that can be weird if they turn around and say, hey, why don't you send off the email? But I do think it helps. I think there's just a human nature thing. It's it's easier to tell your builder, it's easier to tell a nameless builder that they're wrong and not doing things right than it is your future neighbor. So I would just be on the lookout for that. Okay. A couple little minor things in reading the covenants that I think everyone should pay attention to. Um, I've said this before in the podcast. This is one of those things I will say a lot on this podcast. If you're buying a lot in a subdivision, please read the covenants. Actually pull them up and read them. It is so boring. They're so long. There's so much legal mumbo jumbo in there, but you have to do it because sooner or later, somebody's going to quote them to you and it's going to be frustrating if you didn't know it. So, please read them. Um, typically, there's a section of architectural standards or architectural control or something like that. Um, so those are pretty obvious. You'll see things like what siding types are allowed, the percentage of masonry that you need on the front elevation, all that little stuff. I would also check, I've seen some covenants with some random things that are are helpful to note. Um, a review fee. Sometimes, especially if they're hiring an outside architect, they will ask the client to pay for that architectural review fee. Um, it can be a painful pill to swallow. I've seen them from 500 bucks all the way up to three or four grand. Like it's, and it's something that is always discovered late and always a frustration. Look out for that. Check your covenants, read them, see if there's one there. Um, additional setbacks. So setbacks, the building line is typically found on the subdivision plat, but some sets of covenants will um, restrict the setbacks to 
even a stricter standard. Um, or they will make it so, okay, the building line is 30 feet, but we don't want any of these homes to be directly in a line. We don't want it to feel like a cookie cutter subdivision. So we're going to say that if your neighbor builds 30 feet from the the property line, then you have to vary. So you have to be 40 feet from the property line or 45. Um, something to look out for, it's added cost in... Um, additional material for your driveway. It could be added cost if your surveyor has to do it twice. Just a good thing to check. Also, I've seen some that have a maximum height. Um, usually floor plans are fine, but if you have a tall house, if you have high roof pitches on a two-story, check it. Um, lastly, that's caused some fr- last thing that I see that's caused some frustration is an anti-monotony clause. So um, they will say your, your color scheme can't be the same as your next door neighbors. Um, which I think most people would say like, if my neighbors have already built a white house, I don't want a white house right next door that I, I think most people get that, but I've seen some that get more specific of, okay, your backyard neighbor can't be, or the, the home that's catty corner to you across the street can't be. Um, so I w- would again, check that, make sure you know about it before purchasing a piece of land. Um, yeah, just this is a quick run through, um, some of the little things I've learned over the years. If you have anything that you've done that you've really helped, that's really helped you, please reach out. I'd be happy to post that on LinkedIn, social or whatever, um, and give you credit for that. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. Please smash that subscribe button. Follow me. Um, the podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, um, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, I think. So there's a lot of platforms to get me. If you're if you're listening to this on a web browser or something and you usually use one of those apps, feel free to follow over there. And um, yeah, if you want to reach out, I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. LinkedIn is my name, Adam Steiner, S-T-E-I-N-E-R. And then Facebook and Instagram, it's at Burnham Design Co., B-I-R-N-A-M design co um yeah i think that wraps up today's podcast again thanks for listening and as always thanks to andrew michael metter for the music i gotta say i absolutely love that baseline every time i record a podcast it's in my head all day so yes andrew i'm talking to you thank you